0: The CEO of Foursquare transitioning it from a, again, hot consumer kind of social network into what it is today, enterprise kind of B2B. They are truly, really the Switzerland of location check-in data. And most importantly, they are adding so much uh, utility value to that location data. This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at twenty thousand dollars per talk. Five and six million. He is hell bent on global domination. We just broke our one hundred thousand unit sole mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you wanna get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer counts, margins, and many, many other data uh, metrics and data points, you can go to G-E-T-L-A-T-K-A.com. Here's the thing though, this that database, I keep it to myself, it's so freaking valuable. And to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage, I'm only letting 10 companies on each month. So we're full this month, but you can go to getlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month. And look, there's big people on the waiting list. I mean, the biggest VCs you've ever heard of, You've probably heard of them. They're big, private equity, billions and billions under management. So it's an impressive waiting list. Go get on now at GetLatka.com. This is episode 779. Coming up tomorrow morning, I talked to Brandon Bruce, founder of Cirrus Insights. He has 2X'd his annual recurring revenue in the last 12 months, going from $6 million in annual recurring revenue to $12 million in annual recurring revenue. So the big question is, how'd he do it? Hello, everyone. Good morning. My guest today is Jeff. Glick. He became CEO of Foursquare in January of 2016, after 18 months as COO of the company. Prior, he was CEO of Skyfire Labs, co-founder of Site59.com, and CMO of Travelocity. If you've seen the Little Travel Gnome, take your anger out on him. It's not me, right? Previously, he was strategy consultant at Monitor Company and served as a White House fellow in the Clinton administration. He holds a master's degree from Oxford as a Marshall Scholar and a bachelor's degree from Harvard College. Jeff, are you Ready to take us to the top.
1: Absolutely. Glad to be on your podcast.
0: Thanks for coming on. So first question I've got for you. Back in 2013, you know, everyone, you know, four was hot. Everyone knew it. It had a, you know, it was reported that it raised money at a valuation of about 650 million. Recently in January of 2016, which I believe was around kind of when you came in, uh, an additional 45 million was raised at a much lower valuation. Ignoring the numbers, walk us through why that happened as it relates to being and moving away from being kind of a hot social network towards or more towards a kind of end- enterprise data company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I joined Foursquare now three years ago. And when I joined, the company was in an evolution. Uh, The hot social network of 2011, 2012 had slowed, but we still had over 50 million people in over 160 countries using the apps. Uh, But we had developed this incredible technology, which I think we'll talk about, called Pilgrim. And we saw, when I joined, a way to turn that into a very powerful enterprise business. So, you know, the company's early valuation was very much based on that kind of crazy question would this be the next facebook would be this be the next uh you know uh twitter of the day and that was never a a sort of realistic thing in the cards it was never dennis crowley our founder's ambition and he really wanted to to build a guide to the real world and understand when people were walking in and out and do what he calls contextual computing so all these expectations were put on the company and it had a valuation that was completely made up because it wasn't based on revenue when we did our new funding when i came in as ceo um i approached it like if let's set this company up it's gonna grow very fast uh like a public company we'll value it rationally as a multiple of revenue and it'll grow uh you know as we're growing over 60 percent now three years in a row so our valuation just keeps going up now but it's on a rational basis the way we'd be valued as a public company more as an enterprise and media company than a you know the next instagram or snapchat and i think that's real and it's authentic and sustainable
0: to anchor that a bit more i mean so do you look at a company like what salesforce is trading at like some kind of bigger b2b enterprise companies and kind of match to that or can you name a different company you say hey we're kind of like that
1: well i think there's all kinds of companies in the space from trade desk to uh, yext and others um, as well as companies uh, that have hybrid models like us uh, akin to linkedin you know where you have this really powerful community in our case people mapping the world and then that mapping understanding of 160 plus countries has you know winds up in being used in a lot of your favorite apps like uber and apple maps and snapchat and and twitter and pinterest and samsung phones and and i could go on and on and so it's very much a powerful location intelligence powerhouse now and yet we're valued more like an enterprise software mm-hmm.
0: company. So guys, Jeff is doing the foreshadowing for me, which is just great, but I will tell you, you may go, why is Nathan having like the CEO of Foursquare on that thing died like five years ago? You know, I might ask you guys, when was the last time you used Foursquare? And you might think, well, I haven't done it in ages, but I would bet, I would bet sometime in the last 24 hours, you have helped Foursquare and their data and their back in enterprise, their database, get smarter because you've touched them through one of their integrations. So Jeff, let's kick this off because you talked about pilgrim right so tell us the story of how capital one is using pilgrim and the follow-up question i have to that is how do you make sure folks like capital one you know the ad age companies don't abuse the ability to reach out to customers wherever they are
1: yeah that's a great question and we we definitely help them so what pilgrim is is that based on nearly 12 billion check-ins in four-square consumer apps and by the way for your users who are asking we do more check-ins today than we did two years ago or four years how many uh it's about seven million check-ins a day and, and we're approaching 12 billion cumulative check-ins are
0: those physical like are the, is that people picking up and checking in or, or are these like non-check-in check-ins
1: I'm talking about what we call explicit ground truth, so people open their phone, open either Foursquare Swarm, which is our guide to uh, remembering all the places you've gone and sort of life logging and, and uh, remembering, where was that killer ramen place in Tokyo that I stopped, or what was that incredible tapas place in Barcelona, or what's the name of the place where we had our second date in the village. And and so it's a, that's a log, and every time someone opens and checks in, essentially they are mapping the interior of a business for us um, 7 million times a day, almost 12 billion times cumulatively. Or they confirm a place to their, um, you know, when, they, when they're when they writing a review or in our fourth course city guide. And so that, that explicit ground truth is what makes pilgrims so powerful. Because it then enables us passively, to your point, to recognize now when a phone in your pocket or in your purse walks in and out of 105 million venues in almost every country in the world, again, passively, because we look at— the 14 different Wi-Fi connection points on the seventh floor. And we've seen them thousands of times before. Uh, this GPS reading, this gender, this time of day, this Bluetooth beacon that's open nearby. All of these go into a machine learning algorithm that gets better and better every day and enables us to recognize with incredible accuracy when people stop, not just walk by, but stop at these 105 million places of interest. And that—that that is a powerful thing. So you asked about Capital One.
0: This is a great story. Yeah, I have to tell this.
1: So uh, we launched uh, the Pilgrim SDK, which is basically a white-label way for... uh, are 100,000 developers using various tools to add in background context awareness into their mobile experience to make things better for their users. And uh, so what Capital One does is using the Pilgrim technology baked in, it it asks people, do you want to opt in to be informed when you can earn triple Capital One rewards points or double Capital One rewards points at the business you're at right now? and people opt in overwhelmingly. Sounds great, who doesn't want more rewards points? And so uh, a woman might stop a a couple minutes at Sephora, be walking around, the technology says, so this is not just walking by, you're actually inside and walking around. Uh, You might get a ping on your iPhone or your Android. Like a push notification? push notification and it says at sephora don't forget triple rewards points this week on beauty purchases um and you know obviously they are encouraging people to use their mobile wallet uh where it's accepted and, and particularly where there's a relevant offer another company using the pilgrim sdk similarly is one called touch tunes you might not have heard of it but it's a it's a uh, private company that runs 65,000 jukeboxes where you can control the music in the bar or restaurant with your phone. Um, People love it. Uh, I won't disclose the revenue, but it's a lot higher than you'd think. And uh, they had a problem, which is that people had their app and they loved it. But uh, the problem was that... uh,
0: You didn't know if it existed, right?
1: You didn't know if you were in a place that had and so they tested this, and in a matter of weeks by implementing technology, they saw sales go up 80 to 90% because when you walked in and stopped, that you'd get a, a notification on your iPhone or Android and it would say, hey, are you at Joe's dive bar? Rihanna's the most popular artist here. You love Rihanna, get the party started. And that people loved. It was a you know combination of a very contextually smart social um, message. And it was the right time, right place. When you talk about marketing classically, it's always about the right person, the right time, the right place. But it was always baloney because... A lot of the way mobile marketing started out was this apocryphal story of we're gonna ping you coupons every time every you time. Need <laughs> Starbucks. And that was a nightmare. I mean, one of the the powerful things about us is is with millions and millions of users for years we've learned when people want a message and when you should shut the hell up Yep. and uh particularly and we try to teach these lessons to our developers you know so you you never bother someone when they show up at their desk for the you know thousandth time uh but we're smart enough now to understand hey you know you are you're in union square san francisco this is hundreds of miles from home or work you've never seen you here before let's tap you on the shoulder and and it's morning and tell you about this amazing, you know, Sears diner around the corner of the best uh, blueberry pancakes around. So that's the kind of really contextual message that Pilgrim enables for consumers and app developers.
0: Jeff, in 2016, when you joined, uh, I imagine there was robust, I'll just leave it at that, robust internal debate about the 70,000 free developers that were using Foursquare. And I imagine there are employees at Foursquare who are passionate about serving these people and letting it be free. And you go, "Um, we should charge them. And people, and there's no downside, right? And the people are going, but this new CEO is coming in. He wants to like kill our life. But how do you, one, as a leader, how do you manage through that? And two, how did you launch a pricing model around that? Was it pay as you go per API call? Was it more SaaS space? How'd you think about it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, at the time I had just joined, I was a three-week-old COO. Uh, ah, okay. With Dennis Crowley, our founder, who was CEO, and um, I just saw these seventy thousand uh, companies using our stuff for free, including lots of Fortune 500 companies. And um, I had a discussion with Dennis Crowley, our founder. You know, this is kind of an open-source style project, but we're losing a lot of money and people using our systems, our servers, billions of times a year. I think they, they, they're they big profitable public companies, they could afford it. I got the question, well, gee, we might lose some of them if we charge them. And my response was, what do you got to yeah. lose? <laughs> Uh, and the reality is we started making calls and we didn't lose a single developer or publisher. What was the
0: model though? Was it like pays that call? Was it pay as you go or SAS or what? Yeah. It's a tiered
1: SaaS license based on API call. So it's essentially a variant of either per API or tiered. You know, if you use it 500 million times a year pace, then you pay this rate. And, and if you use it a billion times a year, you pay this rate. Got it. And, you know, there are developers like Sam, phones that literally call us you know hundreds of millions of times a year um because the phone wants to assemble automatically albums for you based on where the photos are taken in the background we do that all anonymously um using our api set for instance inch in
0: april i believe it was april 15th 2016 your beautiful face was all over the place going chipotle is gonna announce in two weeks and you're gonna see a big drop of in-store sales about by about 30 percent okay this was before their earnings call two weeks later they get on they announce it's 29.7 percent you were dead on right Uh, millions and uh, maybe hundreds dozens of millions of market cap vanished from chipotle right uh we understand based on what you shared why you're able to predict that you can actually see their historical real-time check-ins at chipotle if i'm a hedge fund and I see you do that. I am as quickly as possible going out to raise $2, 3000000000 billion for the sole purpose to buy Foursquare, simply to make and build the world's largest hedge fund. One, has that happened? And two, why hasn't it gone through?
1: You know, well, three of the world's five largest hedge funds are customers of ours, and they look at the aggregate anonymous data trends. Uh, now, of course, foot traffic is not the whole picture, right? We, we are a piece of what you know, analysts call a mosaic of information. So we understand in real time how many people are going into Apple stores, into McDonald's, into Starbucks, into Macy's, uh, how the market share has changed for foot traffic. But we don't pretend to know, you know, are there sales or promotions or margins or inventory or other factors? So it's one very helpful piece to understand. Uh, Are more customers coming in the door? And you got to remember that 92% of consumer spending is still – Offline, 8% is e-commerce, including Amazon and all the rest of e-commerce. So, you know, categories like auto and grocery and retail are still in the physical world. And if you aren't having customers come in the door, your sales are going to be down like Chipotle's down mm-hmm. 30%. Yeah. As we predicted, and so uh, it's a, it's a piece of a mosaic. But uh, you know, we're not investors; we're technologists, and that's that's where we like to play.
0: This is a, when I was kind of prepping and having my research team to research for this. I said, you know, this is the classic example of somebody. You know, you hear the adage, you know, you'd sell pickaxes to the gold miners, right? Don't go after the gold mine. You could argue Foursquare in its heyday, right? Social network beat Facebook. That was the gold mine, right? You're going for the gold mine, and you quickly realize, you know what? This infrastructure is way more important. It's better to kind of. go Go back into the background and sell the pickaxes, sell the jeans, sell the shovels to the people mining for gold, the Ubers, the ride sharing, the hedge funds, et cetera. My key question for you, though, as a CEO driving the company, how do you It must take so much self-discipline to resist the urge to go into these businesses? Like, for example, if I had seen this Chipotle data, I would have taken all of the cash Foursquare had in the bank, hedged, right, Chipotle, and made a shit ton of money, like putting my money where my mouth was. Why didn't you do that? How do you resist that urge?
1: You know, I just think we have a mission... Uh, and that is, we're a location intelligence company, and we we want to bring location intelligence to explorers and makers and leaders. And that's that's kind of what we wake up excited to do. If we wanted to work at a hedge fund in Connecticut, we would go work at a hedge fund in Connecticut. We we're really proud of building these tools that all these companies can use. It's kind of what we're about. Uh, our developer I just met with a developer for a coffee the other day, and she was I was saying, well, why do you why do you love your job? And she said, well. If I get this stuff right, she was a data scientist. My algorithms are going to be in you know almost every major app uh, other than Google and Facebook in the world, and on almost every phone, and it's going to make these phones better, and that's exciting to me. You know, it was a transition culturally because we started out, of course, thinking of ourselves as this consumer company, and we still have these wonderful consumer apps. But you know, the developers got excited when Twitter announced that you could tag a tweet using our technology. When Pinterest, now Uber's database of pickup and drop-off places is is us, and and Snapchat uses us for some features, not all, but the the geo filters and and uh, other features that are coming. And so, all of these apps that people are using every day, they're made better by Foursquare, and we're proud of that. And that's kind of what we we want to do. We don't want to do a thousand things. We want to do one thing really well and and that's what' we're, we're technologists. we're not uh, hedge funders, we're not uh, you know any other business. We're not in the future I think we'll make real estate better that we're not even in that world right now. but imagine we understand every block in the world what kinds of people are there, how many this week versus last week. And, uh, but we're not real estate brokers, but we'll probably make real estate brokers smarter in the future. So that's that's sort of what we, we wake up to do.
0: You guys have to keep listening to the show. I'll have the Redfin CEO on here uh, shortly. It was actually already recorded before they announced they were going public. So I got some good information and we actually talked about that exact kind of data-driven approach. Jeff, last question before we wrap up. People listening are going, Uber, why is Uber using Foursquare instead of like Facebook check-in data or Google Maps, right? The reason is obviously, I, I imagine is obvious, right? Uh, the Uber is maybe one day going to be competing With Google or Facebook to some degree. What percentage of your revenue would you credit to being because you're not Google or Facebook?
1: Well, I'll tell you a lot. Um, (laughs) Overall, the business is 90% B2B, um, over 90% B2B, and the rest being, you know, ads in our consumer beloved
0: apps. Jeff, just to be clear, that's your place's API built on Pilgrim, place insights for business, your enterprise side, right? And, and also the, the
1: advertising side where half of the at Age 100 are buying advertising audiences that we design based on people who are fast food junkies, people who are fitness junkies, people shopping for a car or the like. So that's a big business for us called Pinpoint that's growing about 90% year over year. So between, but that's, those are non-Foursquare users uh, through our network of other apps and their non-Foursquare inventory, but we are making it smarter by matching your ads to the right the right people. And so um, so those B2B businesses are over 90% of the business. And when, you know, when apps like Apple, Microsoft, Samsung, LG, Reddit, Twitter, Pinterest, Snap, these are all paying customers for us. Um, you know, when they made decisions, sure, they want a Switzerland. They want a company that is every bit as good as Google Maps at understanding where phones are. But if you're Uber, you know, you're in lawsuits against Google. You um, (laughs) are trying to build the future of self-driving cars, and you do not want to be dependent on Google in the future. I talked to one of the big three automakers, I won't say who, about, you know, were they going to use Google software, Android Car? And this automaker, head of Palo Alto Research Center, said, well, gee, that didn't work out well for hgc, HGC. <laughs> and uh, you know so so i think a lot of smart companies want to build differentiated mobile experiences in the future and we're helping them do that that is our business um, unlike um you know amazon or google or facebook we're not out to eat their lunch we're, help, we're out to help them make a better lunch
0: guys big news last month was a huge month for the company i recently acquired which was www.thetopinbox.com i liked the company so much when i met the person who created it it lets you send emails later on gmail set up reminders like snooze almost to keep your inbox clean do things like send auto follow-ups and do open tracking so you know when your emails get opened it's great if you're in sales or CEO or trying to be more productive. So listen, I bought the whole company on the spot and I want to tell you how I did it. I've showed the deal, by the way, to big, smart people, private equity firms, VCs, and they're dumbfounded. They go, Nathan, how did you do this? We've never seen a deal like this. How did you do this? So I did an unbelievable deal and I want to show you the income report. So for me to send you the income report, go to www.thetopinbox.com click the red button that says, install this on Gmail. And when you do that, my email will appear. It'll appear in a little uh, Gmail pop-up window. Send me an email and I'll reply immediately with the income report. And you can see how I'm buying and growing small B2B SaaS companies. That's www.thetopinbox.com. Totally free to try and use. www.thetopinbox.com. Jeff, let's wrap up here with the famous five. These are one word answers. Number one, what's your favorite business book?
1: Good to great.
0: Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now?
1: Yes, Uh, I spent some time with the CEO founder of WeWork, uh, Adam Neumann, and he inspired me to make this mug. So Adam- Hold
0: it up, Uh, (laughs) that's cool, shout out to Adam. For explorers, makers,
1: and leaders, he said, make sure your mission is on a mug that everyone is drinking coffee from daily.
0: I love that. Uh, Number three, uh, is there a favorite online tool that you use as you're kind of building and growing and managing the growth of Foursquare? Well,
1: obviously, I love our own apps, uh, FourSquare Swarm and FourSquare City Guide. Um, but you know, I'm, I've I've been listening to a lot of podcasts on Stitcher lately um, from thoughtful people in politics and business. Right now, I'm listening to Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History, which I recommend.
0: Number uh, that's great. Number th- uh, four. Um, uh, how many hours of sleep do you get every night?
1: about seven
0: okay good so super you know i have people on all the time they go nathan we're doing 100 million arr but then they're like i'm divorced and get two hours of sleep with three kids and i'm like do you want to copy that strategy or not right so seven hours of sleep and what's your situation merits three kids every morning although sadly i don't get
1: home in time to see them to put them to bed except on the
0: that's great so three kids uh, married and jeff how old are you
1: i am 48 years
0: old all right take us home take us back 28 years what do you wish your 20 year old self knew You know, um, I would just give
1: confidence to that 20-something to say – You know what? It's going to be okay if you take the risks. You know, on all of my career, I turned down the. You know, the I left the National Security Council to go do a crazy startup, last-minute travel. I turned down McKinsey to go off and work on poverty alleviation in Latin America and peace in the Middle East. I, uh, you know, I turned down uh, offers to come interview to run marketing for Facebook and Google to join Skyfire Labs, this little pre-revenue company, because I wanted a chance to, to try to be, you know, to lead a startup. And, you know, all of those choices. I don't regret any of them. So take the risk, turn down the easy the easy option and go for it and life will be richer for it in lots of meaningful ways.
0: There you guys have it from Jeff Glick, the CEO of Foursquare, transitioning it from a, again, hot consumer kind of social network into what it is today, enterprise kind of B2B. They are truly, really the Switzerland of location check-in data. And most importantly, they are adding so much uh, utility value to that location data. Jeff, good luck. Thank you for taking us to the top. If you enjoyed Jeff today, go back and listen to Dave yesterday. His SaaS company has raised $80 million, and he did this after leaving Salesforce to bring finance departments to the cloud. His company is called Post Analytics.